Good morning. Uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah 29, so I've told you like seven times, right? So you should be there. Hopefully you're getting close to there by now. But uh, the past few weeks we've been talking um, through the book of Jeremiah, and I was just praying, God, where would you have me to be this week? He's like, well, you've been in Jeremiah two weeks, so I'm going to just do it again. And um, here we are in, in Jeremiah 29, but this whole... Um, this whole kind of series, I guess, that I didn't know was going to be a series has been called The Source, and it just came out of uh, me praying, God, what would you have for us this year? Like, if we were to stop and just start again, like build a foundation on on this year, what would you say? And um, this has been what he has for us, and, and I love that. Um, I love what he's been speaking, and he's been speaking it to me. I think it's so amazing at the beginning of the year we get to embrace this idea um, that, that we can be something different. Um, like that's the whole hope of like our, our faith, right? That we can be something different than what we were through Jesus. And um, this year, hopefully we can come around this idea that that there is a source. There, there is something that can carry us beyond our circumstances. We don't have to be knocked around every single day by whatever's going on in our life, but we can plug into something that is uh, consistent and, and can bring joy and hope and peace even even on the hard days, and today we're going to be in Jeremiah 29, and I know everybody's like, 29-11, I know this one, thank you. Um, it's going to be a good, cheery morning, and it, it will be, we'll get there. I know that the past maybe a few weeks, it's been like um, God's just brought out the hammer, and uh, you can blame me for that if you want to, it's called conviction, I don't care if you're mad at me for what God's doing, um, but um, he's kind of brought out the hammer, and, and I think we need that sometimes. Like, everybody loves, like, oh, God is love, and we never mess up, and even if we do, he forgives us, and we don't really have to fix anything because God's just going to take us anyway, but is that what you really want to offer God? Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I'm a piece of crap, God, but I don't want to do any better because that's hard, and uh, you'll love me anyway, so this is what you get. Like, is that, is that really what he, what he deserves? And I think probably not. Um, and uh, anyway, the past few weeks has been hard, and sorry, uh, it's going to be there for a few minutes again this morning, but um, Jeremiah has never been a favorite book for me. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. I have books in the Bible that I just, they're not my favorite, um, and, and probably for the reason a lot of you guys maybe feel the same way about these past messages, it's just hard, right? Like you look at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's book's about the prophet Jeremiah and his ministry, and Anyway, his ministry was a great ministry. He got to wake up every day and tell the people at Israel that judgment was coming. Now, awesome. Anybody want to sign up for that? And just, I, mean, I know there are people that do that, but it is, I, don't, I don't know why that sounds fun, but they do that. Um, but this, that was his ministry, right? I'm going to go out every day. Hey, uh, you guys have left the, the living God, the, the true living God, you know, the God who has ears and eyes and, and can do stuff, and you've replaced him uh, with these idols. In Jeremiah 10, I was reading it uh, last night, it talks about how men will go out in the forest, cut down a tree, carve it into a God, and people will worship it. It says that in Jeremiah. It's amazing. And, and you're like, man, that's crazy, and we kind of snicker, but like we do the same thing, right? We worship, you know, TVs. That's not a piece of wood anymore, but, you know, still, oh, a piece of plastic. Let's worship that. That's better, right? And that's his ministry. Hey, you guys, um, judgment's coming. 
because you left God and you replaced him with powerless gods. And we laugh, but like people are drawn to powerless gods because powerless gods have no power over us. We'd all rather, if we, if we left it up to our human intentions and in our hearts, we would all rather have powerless gods because you can just live however you want to, right? And do whatever you want. But it costs us something to, to, to serve a powerful God because if, if there's a God who really can do something, then maybe we owe him something. So Jeremiah went around preaching judgment and and, and as I've been reading it the past few weeks, it's amazing because he went around preaching judgment, but in that there was always this ability that the people had to come back and to step out of this idolatry. He wasn't there like, oh, you guys are idiots, you're following idols, it's coming. Like God was addressing a problem with the ability for them to fix the problem and then God would relent from his judgment like he's done so many times. And as we, as we read the book of Jeremiah, what we find out is that they don't listen. They don't listen. They hear it, right? We have a book saying that he said it over and over again. They heard it, and maybe some of them were like, oh, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Amen. Oh, God is. He is more powerful than, you know, that golden cow over there. But it didn't change anything. And because it didn't change anything, what we find is they are actually carried off, like God said they would be, into exile. And that's, that's the context that like Jeremiah 29 sets down inside of, by the way. So we'll start at 29, and it says, This is the text of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent, listen to this, from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders and the exiles, the priests and the prophets and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is not the letter, but it's the text of the letter. It's exactly what it said. And, and Jeremiah is setting where? In Jerusalem. And he's writing to a people that are not in Jerusalem. Isn't it cool that he's warning these people, hey, the judgment's coming, the judgment's coming, the judgment's coming, the judgment's coming, and it comes, and they all get carried off, and Jeremiah's just getting set up in Jerusalem, like, told you guys, told you he's coming. So he's going to write a letter now about what God's saying to these people from Jerusalem to the people <laughs> who were carried out of Jerusalem. And these people are uh, just to list a couple elders, the people who are supposed to be kind of leading the people, uh, and, and the priest and the prophets and everybody else that was deported. This is in two. This was after King uh, Jeconiah, the queen mother, the court officials, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metalsmiths had left Jerusalem. They're all gone now too. Uh, the letter was sent by a weird name, Elsha, son of Shaphan. I didn't know there was this many names. It's awesome. And uh Gemara, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, had sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the letter stated. I would have just skipped that had I thought about that many names. Uh, but he's writing this letter from Jerusalem to these people who've been carried off now into exile. And, and then it says, this is what the letter says. And four, this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported 
from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what God says. It's the, the, the same thing we've been talking about the past few weeks, this idea of thus saith the Lord, like it's 157 times, I think, in this book. And, and here it is yet again. And this one's a little more elaborate. It says, this is what the Lord of hosts, that means the God of angel armies, is just reminding them, like, this is who I am, and you didn't have to get deported off into, into exile. Like, I had armies full of angels. The Babylonians couldn't have done anything to you. But, I mean, you know, whatever. You chose what you chose. Um, the God of Israel. I'm also the God of Israel, you guys. And uh, this is what I'm saying to all the exiles, that I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. So what's God doing here in, in 4? He's speaking to a people in exile. And he's reminding them of a couple things. I'm still the same God. I, I know that your life is nuts right now and you never thought you were going to get carried off from like the promised land to this other land and you didn't think you were going to be in captivity. But I'm still the same God. And I just want you to know before we get going down the road, um, it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar who deported you, it was me. God's taken like all the blame for this, right? Uh, you're in a horrible situation, and I sent you into a horrible situation. That's what God is saying right up there in the front of the letter. And you're like, well, that's crazy. Why would God do that? Well, didn't God say for chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You've left me, and this is what's going to happen. You've, you've walked away from me, and this is what's going to happen. You can turn back. You won't turn back, but you can turn back. But, but if, when you don't, this is what's going to happen. God said, I'm going to do it. And even when it's not like the, the good stuff that we like to hear and we want to amen and we're like, yeah, there's revival in that. Like God still does what he says he's going to do. Good things God says he's going to do, he comes through every single time. Bad things God says he's going to do, he comes through every single time. And what does that mean to us? We should take God seriously. I know like that's not like the popular message, right? Because we want the love and mercy and everything's going to work out okay in the end. But I just want you to know like those are all true. But also everything else God said, which by the way is a lot, is also true. And God looks at these people, right? Like he just walks up and he's like, hey, I just want you to know uh, you're in exile right now. And I sent you there. Just like I said I would. But I love this same verse because what do we see God doing in this verse? God is still speaking and pursuing persistently a people in exile. Isn't that cool? He said, oh, I'm going to send you off, but he never said I'm going to shut you off, did he? Oh, you're going to get yourself in a hole. You are going to dig a hole. You're not coming back. I've tried that already. I, I, I know like every day and what's going to happen every day. You're not coming back. I already, I already get this. But I want you to know um, when you get yourself there, I'll still be there. And God is still pursuing a people in exile. And then God starts to speak to these people. Here's the context after the greeting. God says, build houses and live in them. <laughs> these people are in exile, in a country they don't want to be in. And the first thing God says to these people is, build houses and live in it. I don't know about you, but I think we might be here a couple of days, right? And then he goes on, he's like, hey, uh, plant gardens and eat their produce. 
okay, I don't garden a lot, but you don't like plant something and three days later eat, right? Like that's not how it works. There's, there's a process. The thing has to go in the ground. It has to grow out of the ground. Then it has to produce fruit. Then I get to eat the fruit. So now we're, go- we're going to be here a little bit longer. Then he says, take wives and have sons and daughters. So now we're going to be here at least nine months if we get started today. Then it says, take wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. This is God's message to the people in exile. I'm looking for a, I'll be there in three days, or a, hey, if you'll just walk out the door, take a left, go up the staircase, you'll be out of exile. That's what I'm looking for, right? These people are probably praying, hey, God, I'm just, I didn't mean to be here. I, I should have listened, right? And, and here's what God says to these people. First thing he says to them, you're going to be here a while. You're, you're going to be in exile for a while. Actually, you're going to be in exile so long, you have time to build houses and live in them. You're going to get hungry, so you should probably plant some gardens too. And, you know, it could be a generational thing, so let's, let's just go ahead and get married and start having kids. And then when your kids get old enough to have kids, you go ahead and get them married and get them to have kids because you're, you're going to be here a while. This is what God says to these people. And then he says, hey, uh, don't, don't decrease. Don't stop living is what he's saying. You're going to be in exile for a while. The, the situation, circumstances, not where you want to be, not really how you thought this was going to go down. This, this is not going to be like the, the best moment in the history book of Israel, but, but I don't want you just to stop is what he's saying. I don't want you to stop living just because the circumstances aren't what you thought they would be. Uh, actually, just go ahead and make a lie for yourself. And then he goes on, and this probably would have been frustrating even more so. In 7, and he says, seek the welfare of the city. I've deported you to. Can you imagine hearing that? You got carried off from your home. You don't want to be there. And now God's saying, hey, and when you're there, why don't you just kind of bless some people? Instead of walking around pouting like you're mad and frustrated, you know, you, you earned this, by the way. Uh, instead of walking around like, like you hate your life and you don't want to do anything, why don't, why don't you just bless the people around you? Seek the welfare of the city that I've deported you to. And then it says this, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it has prosperity, you will prosper. This is what God says. Your prosperity is tied to the prosperity of the people around you. So we see these people have turned from God, right? That's the whole first part of the, the book. These people have turned from God and they followed idols. And God said over and over and over again, come back. But if you won't come back, I'm going to send you out and I'm going to deport you. And then they don't turn back. They're deported. And then God writes to these people in this exile. Writes to these people in these situation circumstances they don't want to be in. He speaks to these people. And, and God doesn't say, hey, you guys are idiots. You've messed it up. I'm done. I'm out the door. He doesn't say any of that stuff. He's not, hey, I've left you. He doesn't say any of that stuff, does he? He says, hey, I just want you to know you're going to be here a while. My, my situation has changed and my circumstances changed, but my God's not changed, right? 
So God doesn't spend a whole lot of time trying to hash out, like, this is what you guys did. They know what they did. They were told what they were doing. They were carried off into exile. We don't need all that. We don't need to re-go through that. God doesn't spend a whole long time saying, you guys are idiots, does he? He doesn't spend a whole lot of time saying, hey, I'm done with you guys. He's writing a letter to them while they're in exile, like he's obviously not done with them. He doesn't say any of that stuff. The, the God is still the same. Circumstances change, situations change, punishment sucks, it's just true, right? But even in all that, God's like, I'm with you. But you're going to be here a while. Isn't it funny, we get ourselves into a hole and we expect God just to, we say that one prayer, we haven't talked to him in like six months, we say that one prayer and we're like, oh, you're supposed to rescue me right now. Maybe you should have been practicing that for the six months before that and maybe he would have heard you faster. See, they're going to be here a while because God is positioning a people for himself in exile. It wasn't God that had left the people, was it? It was people that had left God. And what God did is he took everything they thought they wanted away and he sent them into a place where they had nothing so they could find what they needed. And what we're going to see is when they find what they need, they find out they really have everything that they want in what they need. So God sends these people into exile. God says, I'm going to be with you, but you're going to be here a while because it takes a while to position a heart that's wandered so far back to where I need you to be. And then God speaks again. In 8 it says, For this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, said. Here's another, Thus saith the Lord, right? This is not Jeremiah's opinion or Brad's opinion. It's what God says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. And don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them. For they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. Then God speaks to these people again, and he says, don't listen to your prophets. Don't listen to your diviners. Don't listen to any of those dreams, because I didn't send any of those people. Now, it seems like common sense, right? Because these are the same prophets and and people that had got them into this situation. These are the same prophets that were saying, God will never carry you off into exile. God loves you. God wouldn't do stuff like that. God is not that kind of God. Oh, he understands. He understands. That's these people. Jeremiah was here for chapter after chapter after chapter saying, this is what God's going to do. This is what God's going to do. And these people were like, Jeremiah is so full of it. God would never do that. That's the people, by the way, we love to surround ourselves with, isn't it? Anybody got those friends? Those are the people you seek the most Christian advice from, right? Like you know you're screwing up and you know that you're walking away from God and you know that your heart's in the wrong place and you know that, that, that you're just acting a fool. And, and, and who do you go to? The people that will say, it's okay. God understands. God understands. God would never, he would never, not a loving God, he would never do that. And God is love, but God is a whole lot of other things. And sometimes the most loving thing God can do is send you out of Jerusalem into exile because God needs you in a place where you're going to see God. And if Babylon is the best place for you to see God, God loves you enough to pluck you up and put you there. See, nobody wants Jeremiah in their life, right? 
bro, I'm worried about you. <laughs> because I'm noticing this and this and this and this and this about your life, and I'm not coming and attacking, I'm not telling 46 people and putting you on the prayer chain, because that's just gossip at church, right? Oh, you better pray for so-and-so. They're out doing this thing. Have you ever talked to so-and-so? Because if not, like, that's gossip. You ain't trying to pray. You're trying to spread. But nobody really wants Jeremiah, do they? Hey, bro, you're, you're going down this road, and I'm seeing that, and I'm just trying to caution you. Um, what do we do? We snap at Jeremiah. I've been there. I don't like Jeremiah very much either. I told you that at the beginning of the thing, right? Like nobody wants Jeremiah. But we all kind of need somebody that loves us like Jeremiah. See, what you can't accuse Jeremiah of is not loving the people of Israel. He did because he loved God and God loved the people. You see, you don't sign up for a ministry that is, hey, you guys are going to get sent off into judgment everybody hates me you don't sign up for that ministry right you hear any preachers getting called to that very often most of them are getting called to mega churches making millions of dollars a year we don't see people stepping down the ladder and here he's like hey you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna come down to where people are not gonna like me and i'm gonna serve in that space but we need people like that not people that are going to come to you and condemn you and tell you how horrible you are, but people who are in love are going to come beside you and say, I see you're walking in this, and I want to help you walk out of it. Now, see, a lot of us are going to have to get more mature if we're going to be those people because most of us don't know the word well enough to walk with people out of stuff like that. But, but we need people in the church that will come along in love and walk with people out of harm and sin. So God looks at these people and he says, hey, your friends that are just telling you that I'm not that way, they're lying to you. I didn't send them. And then he says again, for this is what the Lord says. Um, I'll just tell you so you'll know they're lying. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you. And will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. This is what God says. This is the context, by the way, for 2911. So if you've ever got that graduation card when you're on top of the world, it's from the context of exile. Um, so um, he, he writes to these people, and this is what God says. Hey, it's going to be like 70 years. You're, you're going to be in captivity for like 70 years. Can you imagine hearing that? Because I'm like one of those people that when I hear a date, like 20, whatever, I'm starting to do the math and figuring out how old I'm going to be. Well, let's just put 70 on anybody's age in this room. There's not many of us that have a good shot of still being around. I'll be 102 in 70 years. <laughs> I did the math on that. If I'm here, I'm going to look like Yoda, right? Like, I'm not going to make it 102 years I, I know what I eat through the week like it's not again unless the preservatives in the McDonald's keep me I'm not going to make it 102 years this is not going to happen but can you imagine hearing this because most of the people hearing this would have been starting to do math and they'd have been like I'm never going to make it out of exile that's what God's saying to a lot of these people you're never coming out of this you're going to live the rest of your life in Babylon. The rest of your life, you're going to live in exile. 
Your, your kids, that's why I'm telling you have kids. Your, your kids, they'll, ha- they'll make it out, maybe. Maybe. But if not, their kids will make it out, probably. Don't, don't decrease. Don't just sit around and, and, and die because of the circumstances. God's going to do a thing in 70 years. Anybody want that promise? There are people in the Bible that had to wait longer, by the way. But this is what God says to these people. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rescue you. Don't listen to your prophets because they're going to tell you it's going to be like turn left and walk up the stairs and you're out of exile. That's not it. This is the word of God, not somebody's opinion. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. And here's what my plan for you is in Babylon. Build houses, eat food, have kids, live life, and bless the people around you. Now, you can pull that all the way back to like an eternity thing, right? We're all going to make it out of here that know Jesus, and everything's going to be great. The promises that God made, he's going to keep, and we're going to get to go to heaven if our faith is in Jesus. And every day down here may suck. True. Here's God's plan. Build houses, eat food, have kids, and bless people. Quit whining. (laughs) Yes, it sucks. It's a fallen world. You sit around and get beat down by your circumstances and you'll never do anything effective for the kingdom of God. You sit around and complain for the next 70 years about how you don't like it. You'll never see God do an amazing work. But if you'll just do what God said, here's the plan. Quit getting bogged down in the details. Build houses, eat food, have kids, bless people. If you'll do that, you'll see God do amazing things around you. And why wouldn't you? Your prosperity is tied to this place. Because you ain't leaving this place till you leave this place. But there, there's another context here, and that's this where I'm kind of pushing towards this morning. This is what God says to these people who are in, by the way, the punishment of God. We don't talk about that in church much because we don't want anybody to think we're in the punishment of God. And I, I can't tell you what that looks like, but here's what I know. You're not living in what God has for you if God's not the best thing in your life. If he's not the God of your life, you're not living in what God has for you. It may be good, it may be medium, it may be bad. Your car may break every 30 seconds or you may have a million dollars, but it's not what God has for you if God is not the God of your life. And God writes to these people in exile, these people who are probably going to go through some suffering. They're not going to be everybody's favorite people. They never were. They never have been. They never will be. People still hate God's people. And he writes to these people, and he says, it's going to be 70 years, and a lot of you guys are going to die here. But listen to this. I know the plans I have for you. We got there. Not the same as the graduation card, right? The whole world's ahead of me and it's amazing. And then God has plans for me. That's true. But it's also true on the inverse when nothing's going right and everything is blowing up and your whole world looks like it's crashing down around you. The same God is still saying, I know the plans I have for you. What does that mean? God has plans for you. Everything's falling apart. God's saying, I got plans for you. I feel like my world is collapsing. God's like, I got plans for you. 
I feel like, like this is the last day. I can't even breathe on this place anymore. And God's like, it's okay. I have plans for you. I have plans for you. Here's, here's, let, me, let me let you in on some of the plans. God says, it's, it's okay. I have plans for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster. Here's, here's my plans. You're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be destroyed. Some of you guys need that today because you feel like you're being destroyed and God's saying, I still got plans for you. It may feel like everything's crazy today because we focus so much on the circumstances, but I want you to know it's not ever been about the circumstances. It's been about the substance. It's the same God in exile as it is in prosperity. It's the same God when everything's going okay as it is when everything's falling apart. It's the same God. He's the same guy. He's not left. He's not walked away. He's not went anywhere. We turn and we walk away, but God never does. Right? Like, what does it say? There's no shadow cast by my turning. Like, I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't even turn and cast a different shadow. Like, I'm consistently the same. I'm faithful every day. And here's what you need to know. I have plans for you, and they don't depend upon mom and dad, brother, sister, household, bank account, income, job. None of that stuff matters. It doesn't even matter what the health thing says, right? It doesn't matter what the doctors say, because I'm God, and I have plans for you. And here they are. We want the like, I'm going to get this old and I'm going to do this thing and then this job's going to happen. We want that, but God's not going to give us that, is he? He's just going to say, here's the plans. Trust in God. The plans are for your welfare, not for your disaster. God's not planning to destroy anybody today. Isn't that amazing? Oh, he may deport you, but he won't destroy you. And to give you a future and a hope. I just want to say that over somebody today. God's plans for you is that you have a future and a hope. It may not feel like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know everybody in this room. It may not feel like that. It may feel like so hopeless right now, but God has plans, and his plans are for a future and a hope for you and for your welfare. God's not give up on you, and he's not turned around, and he's not walked away like he's the same God today as he's always been, and he's not going anywhere. And he goes on and he says, in 12, you, you, will, you will call to me. Isn't it amazing that he's saying that to these people? See, because this whole thing is God positioning a people for himself. These are, these are people who haven't been calling on God. They're not known for calling God. They didn't get in exile because they've been calling on God. By the way, these are people who don't even know what number to call when they're trying to call on God because they got so many gods in the phone book, they don't even know who they're looking for, and they're scrolling through, and they're like, I don't want the golden calf today. I don't want the yellow seagull today. I don't want the, 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 the brown tree man today. Literally, they don't even know where to go. And hear God saying to these people, because I'm positioning a people, it's going to take 70 years to get you where I want you because you're stubborn. But you're going to call on my name. This whole exile thing is about this moment right here. This whole we're sending you out of Jerusalem thing is about this moment right here. If we'd have been pliable in Jerusalem, we never would have made it to Babylon. But we wouldn't listen here. So God said, okay, I'm going to put you over here. I'm going to turn the heat up some. Because what I'm after is not a better temple. And what I'm after is not that you just come in and do the worship thing and the religion thing. What I'm after is your heart. 
And God says to these people, people who, this would have been a foreign concept for at this moment. He says, you're going to call on me. And you're going to come and you're going to pray to me. <laughs> Not to those guys, to me. You're, you're going to come and you're, you're going to talk to me. I know it's unbelievable right now. You don't even know how to begin that. But listen to what God says. And I will listen to you. These people have left God for all kinds of other gods. Chapter, chapter 10, a man would cut a tree down in the forest, they'd carve it into a god, and people would worship it. Jeremiah says that. And God's looking at these people, these people who saw the tree come down and maybe carved it by hand, and he's saying, I'll, I'll listen. When I get you in, in, in the right spot, when we get your heart redirected, when we position you in the right place and, and you start calling on me again oh I, I will listen i guarantee it it may take 68 and a half years but when we get you there i'm, I'm gonna listen he goes on in 13 he says you will seek me not you might or you could I, I'm, i've put you in this place to position you in the best possible place you you will seek me i know it's unbelievable right now you will and here's the amazing thing, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Not like a piece of your heart. Not like a whatever I feel like giving today. But when you search for me with your whole heart, I will be found by you. He goes on and he talks about like all the, all the blessings that are going to come after that moment and all the blessings probably make the exile look ridiculous. Like, man, if, if I, I'm not going to make it 70 years, but if I can make it 70 years, this is going to be like amazing. Uh, my kids' kids are going to be set up. It's going to be cool. And I think we maybe get caught up on that a lot sometimes, but here's, here's, the, here's the blessing for, for me in this. Here are people who've rejected God, like spit in his face. Isn't that what it is? To choose something other than God. God made everything. There was nothing. And we choose things that God made and we put them in the place of God. That's spitting in God's face. Brad, I don't like you, but I like your shoes. What's the bigger message there? I didn't take that as a compliment. But I don't like you, but you got cool button-ups sometimes. I didn't take that as a compliment. And that's what these people have done with God because they're like, God, I like your trees. We'll carve them into gods and we'll worship them. I don't want anything to do with you, though, or very little. And I think sometimes we look at these people and we, like, disassociate and we think, well, that's not us, Right? Like we hear that and we're like, man, isn't God amazing? He come back and he rescued these people and, and he positioned these people. Because, man, those people, they're, they're awful. Isn't it easy to look through this book and find like a stack of awful people? Oh, can you believe they did that? Man, God, I love making this joke. Uh, God led them out of Egypt. He led them across the Red Sea on dry ground, and they got on the other side and started asking where the potatoes were. Let's go back to captivity because there are no potatoes here. 
Those are horrible people. Can I just say, people haven't changed too much. Yeah, we're not in the pages. It's because our stories aren't even cool enough to make it on there. And he woke up and went to church. Hallelujah, bless the Lord. But like we, we're the same people. There's this God who breathed out everything and what he wants more than anything else is to, to invite us in to be with him. Out of like all creation, God's like, hey, you, you can come and you can be with me in this spot right now. Not like when you get to heaven. I think so many of us think that we, we can't be close to God until we get to heaven. No, Jesus died on the cross so we could be close to God today. One day we're going to see God, but today I can have a relationship with God. Today I can be close to God. Today I can have a longing for God. Today I can love God and God can love me. Today I can experience God. I can, I can touch God. Maybe not physically, but figuratively. Like I, I can interact with God today. And what, what do we do? I'd rather have the potatoes. I've never one time said that. No, but you've said I'm too busy. Ah, I just don't have time. What if I had time? God invented time. I think you'll take care of it. <laughs> Amazing God can multiply uh, five loaves and two fish to feed thousands of people, but we don't think we can give him 15, 20 minutes and, and he'll make everything work out in our day. And like multiplying is what he does. See, in reality, God is calling a people to himself over and over and over and over again through history. And I'll just tell you, it's never been like the whole clump of people. You're like, but he led all Israel out. That's true, but only a few followed. Oh, there were only a few that were like, oh yeah, I want to see that guy. Everybody else was like, nah, stay at my tent. I'm going to watch other people see that guy. had a whole bunch of disciples, didn't he? Showed up in Israel. What did he do? He called 12 guys and only 11 of those really were interested. One was there for the money. Isn't it reasonable to think today that maybe in the church it works the same way? There's a whole lot of people and inside of that whole lot of people, God's saying to a couple people, hey, why don't you come follow me today? Oh, I think he invites everybody. I think most people are just too scared to say yes. Because what, what, is, what does Jesus himself say? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a road. <laughs> Actually, there's two roads. There's, there's one little bitty narrow road with a little bitty tiny gate. And uh, it's a bumpy road, and it's a hard road, and it feels a whole lot like exile sometimes. But man, when you get your eyes locked on the end of that road, you'll never get off of it. But then there's another road. And, and who is he talking to? He's talking to God's people, right? Like in, in this context, it was Israel, but they were supposed to all be God's people, weren't they? All I'm saying is that 
I heard a, I heard a speaker one time say, I'm talking to all of you about a few of you. <laughs> That's like preaching. I'm, I'm talking to everybody, but I'm not under the impression that everybody is listening or going to do. I'm not that foolish. But what I do believe is God's calling some people to. He's saying to some people, you, you need to have a relationship with me. You don't need to just like come to church and do the thing. You need to have a relationship with me. You don't need to just like sing songs and pretend like that's enough. You need to have a relationship with me. You don't need to just like hold a Bible and pretend like you know anything about it. You need to know the God of the Bible, not just the words on the page. And it's going to cost you something. I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, yeah, it's easy. Just give 10 minutes a night. No, when you start diving into God, he's going to start cutting stuff away because he's got to get rid of idols. That's why it says the word of God is like a two-edged sword, able to buy the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, because God comes swinging sometimes. And God's going to be like, you don't need that. But isn't it still amazing that God would even offer? That God would even say to us, like, you can have a relationship with me. You can, you can step into something greater than like just the thing. You, you can come and you can experience God. You can have uh, a loving relationship with God. You can have something that means something or you can be religious people and come to church. And I'm not saying, I'm not even talking eternity at this point in the game. You work that out with God. I'm just saying we know that what we do with God is not having a relationship with God. We just put a stamp on it because we go to church. God's calling us to something deeper. And if anybody's hearing that today, I'm just saying, like, you can sit around and, like, look around and be like, oh, nobody's responding. I'm not going to go either. Or you can say, God, I believe that if nobody responds, that you're still worth it and you're calling me.